Raiders, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it, you love it. It, of course, is Victory Lane. Another week, another weekend of racing to talk about, and another great guest on the show, Matty D. Matt DiBenedetto is our guest on episode 164. And if you're a true OG, and I'm talking like, real real og like three four years ago victory lane og you may be saying to yourself wait a second i think maddie d's been on the show before and guess what you would be right because to my count maddie d is the first and only so far repeat guest on victory lane 2.0 i had him on in september of 2019 back when i was doing my interviews at the track because we were traveling a lot more and COVID wasn't a thing and et cetera, et cetera. And I actually mentioned that to him later on in the interview that you'll hear here in a minute. So it was great to catch up with Matty D. Obviously, the occasion is a great one. He just won the race at Talladega in the truck series. It was a bit controversial how it finished, but nonetheless, he is a winner. The first win for Matty D in NASCAR's national series. That's such, such a big deal. And honestly, I, we got kind of real about how last year ended and everything that came along with his departure from the Cup Series and Wood Brothers Racing on and off the track. He was pretty honest in an open book about it. So looking forward to what you have to say about Matty D's answers there. But before we get into our conversation with Mr. Benedetto, Papa Siegel has an homage to the number 64 and I believe it's about a Sesame Street character. Take it away. Thank you, Duve, and welcome everyone to episode 164. Today, we turn the Wayback Machine on a driver who shares something with one of Davey's favorite childhood TV characters. 951 starts for number 64. 432 of those, the most by far, and two wins, the only ones for the number, came via Elmo Langley. Langley's cup career spanned 27 years. His two wins both came in 1966 at Spartanburg, South Carolina, and in Manassas, Virginia. Many of you likely knew him as the official NASCAR pace car driver, which he was from 1989 through 1996. Langley died with his boots on, as the saying goes. NASCAR used to run exhibition races in Japan as part of an effort to expand global interest in the sport. On November 21st of that year, Langley was in Suzuka driving the pace car in the exhibition race when he started having chest pains. He was rushed to a local hospital, but had suffered a heart attack and was pronounced dead on arrival. NASCAR legend Buddy Baker was riding in the pace car at the time and likely was the last person to see Elmo Langley alive. That's all for this week. Don't know if Elmo liked his tummy tickled like the Elmo you used to play with, Duve. Back to you. Thank you, Dad. Yes, Elmo Langley. One of the best names in NASCAR. 
a well-known one, I think at least, and he obviously has done his fair share of things in and out of the sport, on and off the track. So good to hear a little bit of an ode to Elmo there and appreciate Papa Siegel whipping up a way back segment this week while he's on the road tending to matters down south with the fam. So appreciate you, Papa Siegel. Thank you for the way back segment as always. And as always, let's start off this episode as we always do with a good old-fashioned and throw it straight over to our chat with Matt DeBenedetto, driver of the 25 truck for Rackley War Racing. Man, again, good to see him back in victory lane. Good to see that smile on his face. Good to see some success for a fan favorite in the NASCAR garage. Talked about his win at Talladega, obviously. The big adjustment and change that has been and is going from the Cup Series on and off track with the grind of the schedule and the competition professionally down to the Truck Series and why he made that decision, why Rackley was the right place for him to be and where he wants to be moving forward. Appreciate Matty D giving me so much of his time in a busy week and he's a man in demand this week after this win. So I'll get out of the way and let you hear my chat with Talladega winner, driver of the 25 for Rackley War, Matt DiBenedetto. Pleasure to welcome on to the show this week, winner, winner, Talladega dinner. It's Matty D, Matt DiBenedetto, coming off of his big win at Talladega. It's been a quiet week for you, huh? I'm sure, right? Nothing going on in the world of Matty D? Yeah, nothing exciting at all. No text messages, <laughs> not a whole lot. Just hanging at home. <laughs> yeah, just hanging home. I'm sure you have the trophy somewhere close by. That, that's got to be in prime real estate right now. Yes, so the the trophy sat on the uh, island in the kitchen uh, all the way up until last night when we finally we were cooking food and we we needed the whole counter, so I had to move it over to the table. But yes, she has been uh, front and center all week long. <laughs> well, yeah, seeing what you and Taylor meal prep like all that steak some nights you got you got to make all the room that you possibly need. So get that trophy out of there. We need dinner. <laughs> exactly, that's for sure. Well, man, let's dive into that race on Saturday. Huge win for you. Huge win for the team. I'm sure that on a number of levels, it had to be really reassuring and relieving. But let's go back to the finish itself. Obviously, the caution comes out. We don't know who's ahead. We don't know who the winner is. The final lap. You've obviously been racing at super speedways for a while now. Take me through the white flag lap from your perspective and how you position your truck in the right place seemingly at the right time. Yeah, it's funny. You know, I, I knew uh, before the race, you know, we, we didn't qualify real well. Our truck didn't have a ton of single truck speed. Um, it, it's an older truck of ours. Not, you know, really like we didn't put tons and tons of effort into the super speedway truck like others. But um, so I knew that I really wanted to be pushing because uh, I knew from Daytona that the truck sucked up really well. And I thought that I could push well. Um, but I knew leading probably wouldn't be our truck's strength, uh, strong suit. So um, I was like, man, if we could be like third on the bottom at the end of the race, that's where I would prefer to be, like all the way down to near the wire. And then the green, white checkered came. And I was like, well, I guess I got what, uh, what we wished for. <laughs> so, um, and, you know, on that white flag, I just uh, honestly, my heart rate was a lot lower on the white flag than it was when we were sitting the whole time waiting to hear if we had act officially won or not. So on the white flag, I was honestly very calm and Doug and I were just treating it like a chess match and we just stayed committed to our plan and staying on the bottom and pushing really, really hard 
and also timing those pushes as well to where, you know, I kind of backed off because we have the bumper locking rule. Um, so through turns three and four, I actually kind of took a lot of discipline. You know, I kind of backed off just a hair uh, from the push. I was shoving down the back straightaway. I backed off a hair and um, built that gap. And then, you know, off the of four, I timed it to where as soon as we came off the corner, I locked right back onto them, shoved you know, shoved them all the way down the uh, front straightaway. And luckily, you know, I was hoping them guys would fan out and start racing side by side and it opened the door. And it, it does, this doesn't happen very often, but it happened exactly kind of the way that I was, I was hoping and had sort of pictured a little bit in my mind. Yeah. It's hard to plan out anything in racing, especially at super speedways, especially on the white flag lap, but the stars align for you and you end up in victory lane. So first win for you in the truck series, first win for you in the NASCAR national series. It's obviously a huge, huge deal. And I know that everything that you've gone through to get to this point throughout the last few years and last decade or so of your NASCAR career, I can't even imagine what it felt like when you finally got word after sitting for all that time and felt like at pit entry that you finally were a winner in NASCAR. What did that feeling feel like? I was like, I told my wife, Taylor, I said, it was like 500 pounds was lifted off of me, my shoulders immediately that, that I think I've been carrying around for a lot of years at this point. So, uh, the sense of relief is completely indescribable. Uh, um, you know, and I was, and I was, uh, while I was sitting there, I was, uh, and under those, I know it was probably only, uh, I don't know, a handful of minutes. I don't know if it's five minutes, 10 minutes or whatever we were sitting there, but it felt like two hours to me because I'm just <laughs> waiting and waiting and I was thinking and I was doing a lot of praying and I was like, you know, I was like, I hope I pray that we, we've had so many of the heartbreak stories and the so close and all that. I was like, no more, no more. That, that story's old news. I'm ready to see victory lane and this team deserves a win. And, and, you know, and, and it's, uh, and, and it all happened, man. And God's perfect timing. You know, I know we're impatient, want things to happen, but it was a long wait and it was well worth the wait. It's so satisfying and perfect timing and doing it with our family team. So a lot of people, you know, when they're either in the midst of a winless drought or times are tough, they'll, they'll give the standard answers of, oh, we're just doing our best week to week. We're just trying to focus on ourselves race to race. But the fact that you, you know, did say I had a lot of weight on my shoulders and it did take a lot of relief off of my shoulders. Did you feel that all of this year and in the past when you were racing in the Cup Series, did you feel that weight on your shoulders of, I got to win, I got to win, I got to prove to people that I'm capable of doing this? Or has this been a recent thing? Um, A bit of both, you know, and I think where I'm so thankful that it came now um, after, you know, a lot of uh, a life change is is realizing, you know, what makes it so much more special is one getting it with this, you know, with this team with Rackley war, um, is super special. I know I wanted to get the hundredth win for, uh, the Wood brothers, of course, and for Nancy Wood. Um, but Nancy, she's family for life. And, and, and I know that, uh, you know, she wanted, she would, she just wanted us to win and me to win, no matter if it was in a truck or in their race car or anything. So I do want to give her big praise and shout out and dedicate, you know, the win to Nancy. Cause that meant, you know, a lot to me and I miss her dearly uh, day in and day out. And, and I just talked to Kevin Wood today actually, but, but, um, but anyways, what I'm getting at is I'm really thankful. You know, I have had all those close calls and heartbreak stories and all that stuff. Um, but I'm thankful came now because, you know, I, I've gotten to realize that uh, this whole 
thing we call life is definitely a lot bigger than me and about me. And uh, I'm so thankful and humbled to, to win that race and not, not for me, but for my team and most importantly for, for glory to God. And I truly mean it when I say it. And when we have that opportunity and we won the race, you know, I, the Lord saved my life and saved my marriage and saved everything in, in any way that he can use racing uh, to lead others. Even if it's just a step closer to him, that's all I pray and want out of it. And it's just, it's been such a humbling uh, week all across the board. And I'm so thankful that it came now after this long, much, uh, you know, this long wait, that was well worth it. What was the reaction from Willie Allen? Like once you got that call or, or wound up talking to him after the win? Oh man, they were absolutely ecstatic and in tears. They were so happy. And, uh, it, it's so special, you know, cause our shop is behind Willie's, uh, Willie Allen's mom's house. It's just, just a regular old little race shop building down a gravel driveway behind his mom's house, you know, That's and cool. it's, it's so family oriented and so special. And so that made it, I mean, makes it even all the cooler. And, um, and Curtis Sutton, you know, our other team owner who owns Rackley Roofing, and everybody sees Rackley on that truck week in and week out. And it's so, so special. He called, I, uh, he called me while I was uh, leaving the racetrack and he was driving to see his son Dawson's uh, late model race. And he was in tears still. He couldn't stop, you know, the tears. And so that's the, how much it meant to our whole team. Was, and for Chad Kendrick, my crew chief, his first words were, I love you, man. I mean, that's the. <laughs> The relationship that our team has it's yeah. really neat so you mentioned it felt like three hours just waiting to finally get the final call that you were the winner i'm sure that that's how everybody imagines their first nascar win right at talladega caution comes out gotta go to the videotape did you win did you not i don't know waiting to hear from the spotter and then you get to do your celebratory banner that's just how you drew it up right yeah yeah exactly totally normal circumstances <laughs> as expected <laughs> i knew I was, we were, I was laughing. I got a few texts from people and they're like, of course you couldn't even win in normal fashion. It had to be extra <laughs> on the edge of your seat and make yeah. our, our heart, make us all be having panic attacks for extra long. <laughs> so it was, it was definitely fitting. Um, I also heard that your wife unfortunately wasn't there with you, but she FaceTimed you in victory lane and, and she's obviously been there with you every single step of the way, good and bad ups and downs. That had to be a really, really emotional phone call to take and get as well. Oh yeah. First thing I was looking around and my, uh, my brother, he's like a brother to me, my brother, Nate, that works uh, for a champion who brings the equipment to the racetracks and stuff. He drives the truck for them. Um, he was right in victory lane and gave him a huge hug. At first thing it was like FaceTime Tay. And I couldn't wait <laughs> to see, I wanted to physically see uh, her reaction on top of hearing it. Cause I knew she'd be in tears cause we've been, you know, she's been a trooper. She's been right by my side and through every, through this, every step of the way, it's this whole roller coaster journey of racing. And her reaction was, Oh my gosh, it was amazing. She was crying and couldn't stop screaming, screaming so loud. She scared the heck out of our dog, Brian. I was going to say, <laughs> Brian must've been happy too. Yes. Yeah, so Brian was a little scared, uh, but he was happy when dad got home. <laughs> so man, it was so, it was so special. And, and uh, I just couldn't wait to get home and to celebrate with, uh, with Tay and to hang out. And that's exactly what you did. I heard, I also heard you were pretty lame and you didn't celebrate with the guys. You just went home and hung out with Tay and Brian. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I, I laughed. I said, you know, uh, babe, I've realized that I'm an old man. I said, I know I'm going to sound like I'm 300 years old. Cause you know, everybody's wanting to come over and have a huge party and all this stuff. I was like, 
honestly, I'm kind of tired. I'm ready to come home and relax a little bit. <laughs> it was such a, a crazy chaotic afternoon. Obviously it was, it was amazing. But I think once all the adrenaline wore off and I hopped on the airplane and sat down, all of a sudden I was like, wow, I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah. I can only imagine knowing you, you probably had leg day the next day. You're like, I could use some sleep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've had to get ready, get ready for the next training <laughs> session. <laughs> yeah. Um, so going from the cup series to the truck series, you mentioned it earlier and it's the exact way I was going to describe it besides on track being a really, really big change. That's a life change too. I mean, you're not traveling as much. You're adjusting to a new team with a new vehicle. Obviously it, it's a huge change for Tay as well. How has that adjustment period been for you? Because less than a calendar year ago, you were still running in the cup series for the Wood Brothers. And now here you are running for a young mid to upper pack truck series team. That is a big, big adjustment besides the on-track stuff, which we'll obviously get to off track as well. Oh yeah, man. It's been, it has definitely been a big, a big change. The atmosphere in the truck series in general is totally different. Um, and, you know, working with a, you know, a team where we just have a handful of employees. It's a totally different operation all across the board and the atmosphere of the trucks is just different, but it's been, it's been a blessing. It's been awesome. I love the change. I love it all. All of it tied together reminds me a lot more of our Saturday night short track racing days uh, back at like Hickory Motor Speedway and all that stuff. The truck series just has a lot more of that type of feel and environment behind it. So now I've been thankful and, and a lot of my careers involve driving for smaller teams and trying to, you know, really help and elevate teams and grow. And, and this is, um, this just kind of falls right in my wheelhouse, I guess, in that aspect where I enjoy seeing the growth, um, that our, you know, our team's got and get checking off that first win as we're, as we're really working on things to come. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what I was going to point out as well. You have BK, you have Levine, you obviously were in the JGR pipeline, which is a bit apples and oranges comparison, but you are accustomed to, and it seems like in the past you really get enjoyment out of working with teams that are kind of working their way up and you worked your way up with those teams as well. Now you came to Rackley, obviously having cup experience and all those near misses in the cup series, almost getting to victory lane. What do you think makes this partnership work so well being that you come from a background of having that cup experience and Rackley is basically coming at this full bore with a lot of resources and a lot of passion, but they just don't have the experience that somebody like you does yeah no it's it's been cool to you know because when i got those first phone calls um, of them you know reaching out to me and asking if i'd be interested in driving uh, i could tell that there was no um there's no doubt of the level of commitment of of those guys and the team and and it's been such a blessing pairing us up together of their level of all-in commitment um and then asking me you know i was very humble they're committing to me to be the guy you know to come in and do this and, and this to help carry out you know to team together all of us and help carry out the vision that they have of getting this team to where we are you know winning races and then we are competing for championships i mean that's their their goal and you know for anyone who knows you know willie allen and and who knows personally uh curtis sutton are both our team owners, they neither of them want to do this for any reason less than being trying to be the best and to win, knowing it's not an overnight process. So it was honestly just a perfect match um, for all of us because it falls in my wheelhouse. I love it. And there was no doubt of their commitment um, and piecing it all together. It's, it's made for a perfect home for me. So leading into this year, 
you lose the ride in the Cup Series. I know you had offers on the table to go Xfinity Series racing. You presumably had some other offers on the table in the Truck Series. What made Rackley the right place for you? What made this organization, this team, this truck, the place that you wanted to set your roots at? Yeah, I know. You know, some people at first may have been surprised or okay, Matt's going to the trucks to a a smaller, you know, newer truck series team. Big change from Wood Brothers and LFR and all the you know all the Cup stuff. But um, it was it was really just those um, th- those phone calls and that con- that level of confidence and uh, you know talking with Willie and Curtis, knowing like it wasn't like okay, I think these guys you know will do the things necessary to try and get the team together. No, there was no I think it was like oh okay they're they're all in like they get it. They know it's it's going to be a process, but oh no, they're all in. They want to do this, and they're asking me, like ready to just commit full time. Uh, and that's amazing in this day and age too. I mean, Rackley Roofing, um, which actually I, I I better not get in trouble. I, I don't have my uh, I don't have my Rackley hat on. I forgot. To we'll give you a pass. Yeah. All right. So free pass. Um, but no, I uh, you know it's people see Rackley Roofing on the truck week in and week out. That does not mean that we aren't, you know, seeking other sponsorship and trying to bring in more funding. That's just more of a testament to how much, you know, Rackley um, and Curtis and the, and, and the whole group was willing to just dive all in and try and really get our team rolling um, while we try and bring in more funding and more sponsors, which obviously that win uh, helped a lot. So that level of dedication, the sponsor uh, backing and all that just solidly made up my mind of like, man, I really feel this is the place that uh, that God wants me to be at. And it's a family and it's been a blessing. Uh, as one does, I was looking up your racing reference page in preparation for this chat. And it dawned on me that Daytona in February was your first ever start in the truck series. I, I guess I kind of remember it back then. We were talking about that and the fact that you were getting thrown to the wolves a full-time season your first truck start but now that we're you know a handful of races out from the season being over how has being thrown to the wolves treated you because having zero experience in a camping world truck going into this year and unfortunately missing the playoffs but now having a win under your belt seems like you're doing pretty good yeah for sure i would chalk it up as a successful uh, season now that we've checked that box for the win I would say beforehand I think we were all getting frustrated as a group because we were doing all the things necessary and really working hard to bring you know we're not Kyle Busch Motorsports right now and we know and understand that but still we were working really hard to bring some you know nicer uh, pieces with more speed to the racetracks and stuff I mean the team was all in and really trying to work ahead as we as the year progressed and we got through our eight-week stretch we were like all right let's really try and bring some good pieces to the track and we just weren't having it just felt like everything was working against us we'd have something go wrong weekend week out little stuff we go to Bristol have you know fastest in practice and then we had troubles on pit road, which that has, which we've been great on pit road is just bad timing. Um, and that eliminated our shot to win there. We were running top five at Charlotte this year and we cut a right front tire. I mean, it was just like, Oh, why can't we get that darn, you know, just some click off a few really stellar runs. And then obviously Talladega kind of tied it together. It was very much deserved for all the effort that the teams put in. And I hope to close out the last two races really strong as well for them. So there's a lot of aggressiveness in the truck series. There's a lot of young drivers that are trying to prove themselves and that are learning on the fly. And we tend to see more aggressive maneuvers in the truck series than we do in the Xfinity 
or the Cup Series, and that's also kind of been the the moniker and the label that's been attached to the series. We watch it every single week. You're the one that's living it and on the receiving and sometimes giving end of those aggressive moves. Is it as aggressive as it appears, the series as a whole, especially compared to the Truck and Xfinity series, which you have extensive experience in? Yeah. Yeah, it's... um. It's crazy for sure. That's why uh, watching the truck races is usually oftentimes a lot of the most exciting, you know, races because there are more mistakes and it is, you know, a lot of young guys out there that are all um, rightfully so they're trying as hard as they can to get noticed to make it to the next level. You just saw, you know, Chandler Smith going to the Xfinity series for college, which is super cool and like much, much deserved for, uh, for him. So I love seeing that progression and a lot of, um, Oh, my phone was trying to ring on me. <laughs> there we go. A lot of, you know, that progression and a lot of, um, you know, a lot of young drivers, young, talented drivers trying to rise up through the ranks here. But the racing is, uh, oh, gosh, they, they are not uh, wanting to stop calling. <laughs> Persistent. <love> um, <laughs> but there we go. The uh, But no, the, the racing is awesome in the truck series. It's been um, definitely uh, a bit of an adjustment, you know, just kind of you have to race a little bit different than you do in the cup series, not a knock on anybody, you know, it's just there, there's going to be a little more learning curves and experiences and shoot. I'm still learning every time I strap in the race sure. truck. The second that you think, you know, it all is the second you just got defeated. Cause we're learning all day, every day, no matter what series you're in. I realize this may be a bit of a tough question, but looking back on last year, the way that things ended on track, off track, put all that together. And again, you know, this is a huge life change for you professionally and personally, how do you reflect on how 2021 ended for you again on and off the track? Because the life change is one thing. The driver change professionally is another thing. Looking back on that all, I guess eight, nine, 10, almost 11 months now from when it all went down. How do you reflect on all that? Yeah, I love sharing, you know, every bit of my journey and story and life change and all of it along the way. I'm a complete open book. You know, there's a, there's no uh, lack of vulnerability from me. <laughs> um, you want the honest truth. So, yeah, it's been crazy. So, my, you know, I, I think um, it was just uh, last year it was, you know, racing in the cup stuff. And, and I had a lot of a lot of just life change going on at once. And I was, um, you know, I, I think caught up in things that I, I was still maturing in my kind of newfound faith and relationship with the Lord and so much life changed my whole life personally had completely crumbled in, um, you know, early beginning, end of 2020, early 2021 for more of a personal side, just seemed like every bit of life bared down. And this is stuff that people don't see on social media. You know, everyone's lives looks like puppies, rainbows, and unicorns on social media. And that's not the case. That's not real life, you know? Um, and so anyways, I, I, I we went through, you know, you know, lots of struggles and lots of just having to ask really the big life questions turn out to be the biggest blessing. But fast forward to kind of what you're you're getting at, um, had a lot to learn and a lot of maturing to do. And even, you know, as far as late in the year, it's just getting consumed into things this worldly, like politics and stuff. I mean, I, and now it's funny, I look back at my, just myself back then and how much of a you know, a growth journey I've, I've been on in my faith and walk with the Lord. And I look back and I could laugh at myself and smack myself in the head, but I wouldn't change any of it because it's placed me exactly through very mysterious ways, exactly where I was meant to be. Um, and now I pray and hope to use myself and that story. I hope God can use me and that and that story and as in, as ways to maybe pick on myself, be not afraid to be vulnerable 
and even talk about things openly like, Hey man, it was crazy. I even was just kind of a little bit of a rolling wrecking ball and, uh, and I was a bit of a mess in some ways and figuring lots of different new things out. And then even like, as I was consumed with politics and things and I'm like, Oh, and sucked into things that I really quickly, uh, learned that that is not where our focus should lie. That is not, there's no hope in any of that stuff. Our focus should be on him above. Um, and so anyways, what I'm getting at is I'm thankful. I wouldn't change a bit of it because it's placed me to where I am today. Um, but also I just pray uh, for goodness and glory to come out of uh, if my trips and falls and stuff that we can laugh out about Matt D can use it, can help anyone else in any way. Uh, that is all I, I pray. And I've definitely had lots of bumps and bruises along the way, especially along, along the last couple of years. And that's why uh, when I was being interviewed after the race and stuff, I truly, truly, truly mean it from the bottom of my heart that I'm really appreciative for the fans and how much support I've had through the craziest of circumstances and lots of, you know, things of, you know, mistakes and ups and downs and you name it across the board. It's been very humbling. I got you. Appreciate you sharing that as always. I know you're an open book. I know you'd answer that question honestly and truthfully. So, Thank you for that. All right, let's get back to the racetrack in Terakli War, where we're at right now. So before Talladega, you didn't have a top 10 since Gateway. And you mentioned before there was flat tires, there was mechanical failures, engine problems, just bad luck, bad time cautions. Was it something that you guys had been or were fighting every single week, or was it kind of just everything always piling up one thing after the other that kept you guys out of contending for race wins on a consistent basis. Yeah. It felt like it was one thing after another, after another. And just every week I'm like, Oh my gosh, what's going to go wrong this week. If we're having a solid run, then just something happens. Like whether it is the cut tire or anything, you name it, we've had so many little, little gremlins kind of get us, but um, you know, and really all we're shooting for is, Oftentimes, you know, we didn't we didn't have winning truck speed, but at least we had speed where we were running in the top 10, you know, and it, it really robbed us of some top fives and top 10 opportunities. Um, so I was starting to get like a little bit frustrated. <laughs> Honestly, we all work. So I'm like, this is not what our team deserves. You know, we're not even able to show um, at least the hard work they're doing to where we go to Bristol and we brought a truck that could win. We go to all these tracks and we can run top 10 you know, which is still a huge accomplishment for a small team that's growing. Uh, and we just weren't able to show any of that stuff. So it was really nice for that momentum to turn around and in perfect opposite fashion, the Talladega race, you know, while it didn't go perfectly smooth, it was executed incredibly well where we were able to make the right moves and get up there in position when it counted and finally check off that win. You mentioned racing in the truck series, the small shop, mom and pop operation compared to the behemoth operations that you've ran in in the cup series before it's been a nice change a bit of fresh air so to speak has that changed your outlook and the way that you approach racing in general because it feels like it has from the outside oh my gosh yes 100 percent. the whole all i couldn't trade there's no amount of money that i could buy and, and that i would trade uh the amount of experience <laughs> that i have learn from many different teams really small teams to big teams to you know the cup series and now the trucks um and all I, i've been humbled a whole bunch uh, which i'm very very thankful for so yeah the, all that stuff has led me to where it's put me in the position not only to be prepared um to to really help and do the best job that i can to help grow this team 
um, and, you know, work with the team and build that family environment. Cause you're, I mean, I'm, I can drive as good as I want, but I'm nothing without all those guys around me. Just like a quarterback is nothing without his receivers as you know, linemen and everyone doing sure. their job. So it's the same thing in racing. But I, I think, uh, you know, as much as all that stuff prep me, you know, it, it's also the fact, um, you know, that I've been humbled a lot in, in life to, to appreciate it to, you know, to really appreciate it. It's not that I haven't appreciated all my opportunities in the past and small teams, but I think when I was, um, in the cup series early on, it was just about all I want is to drive for the big teams and get there and to win. So everything seemed like stepping stones, uh, to me, although I still appreciated them, but now I really, really, <laughs> especially after the roller coaster of a ride, this has been, I really just am super thankful to have my job and to drive in circles for a living and to drive for this team and to have a home. Um, so that it kind of changes the attitude when your heart's really all in for your race team. And then it affects everybody on the team where we're really all in for each other. And it adds to that good success and that, you know, driving, not just for a race team and employees, you're all one big family together. Do you guys like hang out away from the racetrack? I mean, you say that family atmosphere, for a lot of teams and, and small teams like that, that does really extend outside of the racetrack and outside of the race shop. Is that the same for Rackley? Yeah, we were actually just last uh, week or two ago, uh, drove out to Nashville and Rackley Roofing had their company picnic um, at Nashville Shores Water Park. And they invite, you know, they have all the employees and all their families. They're a very, very, very family oriented group, which is awesome. So what I'm getting at is our whole team was there as well. And we're at the water park and, and, uh, me and my crew chief, Chad Kendrick, we were going on the water slides together, just having a good time. So we're like two big old kids. And so that's, (laughs) we all just have that kind of relationship where it's not uh, uptight or business like we're family. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, last time I had you on the show, Matt. It was September 20th, 2019. You just announced that you'd be joining the Wood Brothers for the next year. We were talking about Paul Menard helping you get there, and Dave Portnoy and Barstool were sponsoring you at LFR. That was like three years ago at this point. Fun fact for you, which I know that you definitely knew coming on to this show here, you are the first repeat guest that I have ever had in three, four-plus years of doing the show. So congratulations. I know that you knew that coming in, obviously. That's why you took this chat, but you are the one of one, the first of maybe many. We'll see. So thank you for that, Matt. Heck yeah, I feel honored. And I definitely knew that statistic, Uh of course. (laughs) No, that is super cool. And even though it was uh, technically that long ago, honestly, it feels like it was just yesterday because I remember that interview and it's all just blown by in a blur (laughs) since then. Yeah, I know. It's been a while. It sure (laughs) has. All right. um, A couple more quick things and I'll let you run. I was talking to Ryan Ellis for this very pod as well, and I asked him, so I'll ask you, what the hell happened to Not Another Racing Podcast? I miss it. <laughs> That's a good question. You know, uh, Ryan had this whole life thing happen, and he had uh-huh. a baby, and he his schedule's busy He's and all busy, that yeah. stuff. I know. But, yeah, we had the podcast going, and, and I think um, it kind of was coming at a time where I – Uh, I needed a little personal time just to kind of lay low and for our own spiritual growth. So I think that halted it. And it was that same time as Ryan uh, was, well, having, you know, they were having the baby uh, and his schedule was a little tough. So it was a little bit difficult schedule wise because we were only able to do it at certain times. So, um, but either way, so the podcast was a lot of fun when we were uh, 
doing it. I would be totally open to doing something like that again um, in the future, kind of now a little more where, where I'm at, you know, in life and all across the board. So I don't know. It, it seemed like people were liking that podcast. It was fun. Yeah, I liked it. I miss it. Uh, count me in as a listener if you bring it back. All right, deal. <laughs> um, last thing for me, I know you mentioned Rackley. You feel like you've really made a home here already. The plan is obviously to be back with them next year full-time in the Craftsman Truck Series. Did not put a dollar in the swear jar yet. Um, in the future, you know, looking at 2024 and even beyond, and I, you know, I know you're focused on the here and the now and you're happy where you're at. Do you have your eyes on potentially getting back to the Cup Series or maybe running in the Xfinity Series again? Or are you really content right now where you're at? You don't have any aspirations to move back to where you were. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm always – I've learned that just whatever my plans are, I just toss them out the window because uh, I know <laughs> I know God's plans supersede mine at 10 times out of 10. So I don't really fight that anymore. But to answer your question better, um, I would say uh, I love the fact that I have a home. And even through um, probably one of the most difficult times, uh, you know, Curtis uh, and Willie, committed to me and they weren't scared to commit to me even though it was like kind of honestly a somewhat controversial time because i was stupid and decided i wanted to get into political this worldly stuff that you know doesn't matter <laughs> at the end of the day so in the big picture and uh and they still what i'm getting at is they you know they still committed to me they were all in they've been so unbelievably loyal um they they treat me like gold and so my loyalty lies with them first and foremost over anything and everything with Rackley roofing with, you know, war shocks with Willie Curtis, our, our whole team, uh, my loyalty completely lies with them. So as long as they want me, you know, that's, that's my home. Um, and I'm not going anywhere. Cause I know that also, you know, I want to win. <laughs> so it's not just to be there. If now, if they were a team that was just there to ride around and run, you know, in 15th, our conversation would be a little bit different because we're sure. still competitors at the end of the day. Um, but the fact that it ties both together where we are on the track to keep growing this team, we want to be championship contending um, and all that. Uh, that's where my heart lies. But, you know, I'm I'm, uh, I'm never like, I'll never race Cup or I'll never race Xfinity again or not. No, I'm nothing, nothing like that. I'm always just pretty much open book and along for the ride. But that would be the best way I'd be able to answer is I'm always open to everything, but uh, my loyalty lies with our race team. Heard that. Well, it was great to see you back in victory lane this weekend, having that success. A lot of fans were really happy to see you as well. Smile on your face. Great race team. And really happy for you, Maddie D. Good luck for the rest of the year. Good luck next year. I know we'll talk before then, but appreciate you coming on today. Again, the first repeat guest. This is history, folks. So I appreciate you carving out some time for me. And please give Brian a pat for me. Yeah, absolutely, man. Will do. Thanks, brother. And we are back. Woo. Again, really good to see Matty D back in victory lane and good to have him on the show again, which I've never said before, but Matty D, the first of potentially many repeat guests on the show. Thank you, Matty D, for the time. And big thank you to Monty as well of Rackley War for helping coordinate that conversation. Always great to work with the folks over there. This time was obviously no different. Let's chat briefly about Talladega as a whole. It was a triple header weekend of action. The trucks were in action. Maddie D got the win. Xfinity Series, AJ Allmendinger finally, finally 
went to victory lane at a super speedway race for college racing. I feel like it's been such a long time coming and he finally got that monkey off his back with the help from Landon Castle and Parker Kligerman at his rear. And in the cup series, it was a bit of an abnormal race in terms of what we're accustomed to seeing at Talladega. We're used to three and four wide and pushing and shoving, beating and banging and big wrecks. And we just didn't really get any of that. On Sunday, it was mostly two by two for the entirety of the race. No single file freight train, which was a positive. But the third and potentially even fourth lanes couldn't really get formed. There wasn't really any big wrecks either, which I do not think is a bad thing at all. And when it came down to it, it was Chase Elliott, Dawsonville's finest. And boy, those fans at Talladega love them some driver nine. He winds up winning the race the first time this playoffs that a playoff driver has won a race. It took us five races halfway into the postseason, but the drought is finally over, and he's got a free ticket to the round of eight now. He had a lot of playoff points to rely on, even if he did not have that ticket punched, but it's good to have that security blanket, so to speak. So going to the Roval this weekend, he has nothing to worry about. He is only going for playoff points, and by golly, I think he has a really good chance of getting them. One thing to chat about with Talladega, though, and this news dropped after we recorded last week's show, but the next-gen car and safety of it. I'm not going to give some huge, hot, steaming take on here, nothing that you haven't heard anywhere else in the media this week or that I've said on TMD on SiriusXM NASCAR Radio, but something's got to change, and I hope that they're able to potentially implement something this year. And I know that Elton Sawyer said that that's unlikely given – the rate of the development and how they need to make sure everything is buttoned up, ready to go before they were to implement a change like a rear clip that's being developed in simulation right now. But going into the Roval, there's three full-time drivers, one former champion, and another multi-time race winner for a premier prestigious organization that are out due to injuries. Now, I don't know for fact that Cody Ware's leg injury and ankle and foot injury was only because of the next gen car that that very well likely could have happened in the gen six car that that impact was insane but we do know that kurt bush remained sidelined due to concussion that he sustained at pocono after repeated hits before we know that alex bowman is going to remain out as well meaning his playoffs are done but he's got way bigger fish to fry because he is also experiencing concussion like symptoms still after that hit at Texas Motor Speedway, which looked totally, totally innocuous, but he's experiencing concussion-like symptoms. So Bowman's out, Bush is out, Cody Ware's out. What's the common denominator here? Big hits inside the cockpit with the next-gen car. And again, Ware's hit is a bit different, but specifically about the head injuries with the 48 and the 45, that is a problem. NASCAR recognizes that. They obviously know way more than anybody The drivers obviously are voicing their frustrations and their opinions. They've been doing it privately. They've been doing it publicly. I'll let you decide which way you prefer, whether they do it in the media or they do it behind closed doors. But the facts are the facts. And that's that this car, by the numbers, is not as safe as the last one. Because to my count, we've got two concussions this year that are reported. And that's not to say that there have been more drivers that have been suffering similar injuries And in the last 5, 10, however many years it was with the Gen 6 car, I can maybe count on one hand 
the amount of times that we had drivers suffer concussions, especially for hits as innocuous and small as we saw Alex Bowman suffer at Texas. So look, man, something's got to change and something will change. It's a matter of when, not if. It's a shame that we got to this point. I think Chase Elliott said it pretty succinctly and well. And, you know, Chase doesn't really speak out on a lot of topics like this. So when he does, everybody listens as they should. But the fact that we have somehow gone backwards in safety is mind-boggling, given how many smart people are working in the industry, how important this car has been and continues to be and is to the you know well-being, health, financially of the teams. It's a shame that it seems somewhere along the line, the health of the drivers themselves was a bit overlooked or sacrificed in the development of this car. But NASCAR's working on it, as, as cliche as that is to say, the drivers and teams, I'm sure, are going to have more input than they had previously. That is a good thing, in my opinion. Will any changes be implemented for the rest of the year? It's looking unlikely. But for next year, when we roll onto the ground at the Memorial Coliseum in Los Angeles for the Clash and at Daytona International Speedway for the 500, I'd bet the house that you will see a new rear clip and you will see some significant changes in terms of the safety of this race car. That'll wrap things up for episode 164 of Victory Lane 2.0. I so appreciate you guys giving me some time here this week and every single week. Again, thank you to Matt Benedetto and Monty of Rackley for helping coordinate that conversation with a repeat guest, Matty D. Love chatting with him as always. If you guys like what you heard here today from myself, Papa Siegel with the Wayback segment, or Matty D., please do me a favor. It helps me out tremendously. You can leave a rating and a review. You can subscribe, follow the podcast on Apple, SoundCloud, Google, wherever you get your podcast on any platform of your choice. We should be available there for you. And if we're not, drop me a line and I will try to rectify that issue for you. Peek behind the curtain. I'm recording this podcast on Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the Jewish year, as they say. Uh, I'm also fasting, so the more I talk, the thirstier and hungrier I get. So I'm going to shut up and for the next, I don't know, three, four, something like that hours, edit this, stay hungry and thirsty, and I'm going to feast tonight. (laughs) I will talk to you guys next week after the Roval as we preview the round of eight. And a quick note, if you're going to be at the Roval, say what's up to your boy because I'm heading down to Charlotte Motor Speedway as well. It's funny because so much stuff goes on at Charlotte, but given that I'm in the D.C. area, I don't really get down there too much. I've never covered a race at Charlotte Motor Speedway. I've been there once when I won tickets to an all-star race from Kevin Harvick. That's another story for another day. But I'm really looking forward to my first Roval race in person, my first race at Charlotte in person. Looking forward to seeing all the homies down there. And if you're a listener, you want to say what's up to me, please do. Stop me on pit road, in the garage, wherever you see me. Just say the code word of Victory Lane, which is, I don't know, reggaeton? Yeah, well, we'll make it one right now. Said reggaeton, and I'll, I'll give you a hug. All right, party people. Talk to you next week. Be good.